The MarTech Podcast is a proud member of the I Hear Everything Podcast Network. Looking to launch or scale your podcast? I Hear Everything delivers podcast production, growth, and monetization solutions that transform your words into profit. Ready to give your brand a voice? Then visit IHearEverything.com. From advertising to software as a service to data, Across all of our programs and clients, we've seen a 55 to 65% open rate. Getting brands authentically integrated into content performs better than TV advertising. Typical lifespan of an article is about 24 to 36 hours. If we're reaching out to the right person with the right message and a clear call to action, then it's just a matter of timing. Welcome to the MarTech Podcast, a Ben J. Shap LLC production. In this podcast, you'll hear the stories of world-class marketers that use technology to drive business results and achieve career success. We'll unearth the real-world experiences of some of the brightest minds in the marketing and technology space so you can learn the tools, tips, and tricks they've learned along the way. Now here's the host of the MarTech Podcast, Benjamin Shapiro. Welcome to the MarTech Podcast. Today, we're going to discuss the strategy, practice, and legality of collecting emails from web traffic. Joining us is Adam Robinson, who is the founder of Get Emails, which is the world's first ever email-based retargeting software. Get Emails identifies up to 35% of anonymous web traffic and then sends their contact records directly to your email marketing app. So you can follow up with what were previously lost leads. Yesterday, Adam and I discussed how to get email address from your anonymous web traffic. And today we're going to continue the conversation by talking about the legality of harvesting email addresses from anonymous web traffic. All right, here's the second installment of my conversation with Adam Robinson, founder of Get Emails. Adam, welcome back to the MarTech Podcast. Thanks, Ben. Excited to continue the conversation. Just to recap what we talked about yesterday, you're the founder of Get Emails, and the service essentially allows you to grab the email addresses from the people that come to your website, even if they're not opting in to giving you their email address. And that's really valuable because you now have an instant way to reach without having to pay to market to your web traffic. So retargeting gets a lot cheaper. On the flip side, you're reaching out to people that have not said, I want you to reach out to me. Let's dive into the details. There's clearly value here. How is it legal? How is it not breaking canned spam? And honestly, how is it not breaking moral boundaries by emailing people that aren't expressly saying, here's my email address? So there's a legal discussion to have and there's an ethical discussion to have. The ethical one's a little bit more complicated, but the legal one is very black and white. Okay, let's go legal first. So in the United States of America, the Can Spam Act of 2003 is opt-out email marketing, period. It is not opt-in. So long as you have an opt-out link in your mail, it is compliant with that regulation. There is a bit about email harvesting that was very opaque in the 2003 CanSpam Act. In 2015, they defined harvesting to be scraping off of websites whose terms of service explicitly said that no data will ever be shared or sold. So... If this data comes from a website that says data will be shared or sold, then it is not considered email harvesting. One thing I'd like to say is that this is not legal in Canada. It's not legal in Europe. It's not CASEL compliant. It's not GDPR compliant. Both of those are opt-in only email marketing. 
Next question people ask after you say the can spam thing is they're like, well, what about this California legislation? The California legislation as it stands has nothing to do with opt-in. The people who are in the know believe that there's some more GDPR-like national level thing that's going to hit in a couple of years, but like we're so far away from that happening that it's not even worth talking about. The federal government's a little busy right now dealing with global pandemics. Exactly. We're so far away from that that it's just not even a conversation. So from a legal perspective, you could probably get around just grabbing people's email addresses without them giving them to you by putting some terms in your privacy policy, your terms and conditions saying, if you visit this website, if you accept our cookie agreement, if you're, you know, have a heartbeat, we're going to take your email address and we're going to try to market to you in the same way that if you visit our website, we're going to try to hit you with ads on Facebook, right? There's a similar comparison there to non-email, but, you know, advertising, retargeting. You mentioned that there is the opt-out list. And one of the things that I've seen, and we do this at the MarTech podcast, right? We get email addresses from people that we think would be good sponsors. We have an email address that looks like it comes directly from me where I'm reaching out to potential sponsors of the podcast saying, hey, I'm reaching out. It looks like you'd be a good sponsor. Those aren't people that are giving me their email address. I'm going and I'm list building and I'm doing cold outreach. I'm not putting an opt-out link in those emails. They are being sent from personal. And I know that that's a best practice for lots of cold sales outreach. Talk to me about the difference between marketing outreach, I'm putting you in a newsletter, I'm trying to sell to you, and essentially a one-on-one communication. It seems like there are different rules there too. I think a helpful thing to think about when we're talking about this is spam house's definition of what spam is spam house says spam is bulk unsolicited email with non-verifiable consent so cold outreach first of all one-to-one that has nothing to do with spam or can spam or any of that but there's ways to game that right we use a tool called mixmax it's great for building lists and outreach.io you know you can create these larger lists that are personalized but also bulk Exactly. So yeah, all these popped up. And this will parlay into the ethics discussion that we're going to have later. So you can do this and it's legal. The problem with it is the ISPs, Gmail, etc, are not going to let infinity emails come in from any of these sources, because you're going to ruin their experience. So everyone's trying to do as much of that as they can, while still getting delivery. That's the whole game. It's got nothing to do with any laws or anything else. It's just like, you can do this. It's legal. These tools popped up because you can, and there's integrations with Gmail. But after a year or so, Gmail, Hotmail, they all started saying like, okay, we're not going to just like accept every email coming out of these tools. The tools, they throttle you because they don't want you to blow yourself up or you're not going to keep paying for the tool. They don't let you send a thousand emails a day, right? It's some limit. This is not the case in the US because it's not opt-in anyway, but in GDPR, it doesn't apply to B2B communications. It's only B2C. Governments are much more conscientious about privacy of an individual than someone who's inside of a business. So from a legal perspective, grabbing the email addresses and using them, as long as you're not scraping them off a website that expressly says, no, you can't take this information, essentially keeps you legal. And the practices of reaching out on a one-to-one basis is, you know, accepted and widely adopted in B2B. B2C, it's a little more muddy. Again, you're not supposed to scrape. That's not what we're doing. 
we're basically buying email addresses from data brokers, more or less, who have third-party opt-ins from websites that have privacy policies that say they're going to sell these email addresses. So it's different than scraping. Scraping's not a great practice. That can get you in a lot of trouble because there's spam traps all over the internet. Like the system is actually set up pretty well to not let you abuse it is kind of what I'm getting at. You got to be very careful with scraping email addresses because you're going to get old bad email addresses. And if you hit a spam trap and you hit the wrong spam trap, you're going to be screwed. All of the work that you put into this campaign and possibly building your domain reputation will be ruined overnight. And it's going to be a huge problem to undo. So Adam, let's get into the ethical conversation here. I get it. As long as you're not scraping the email addresses, you're probably not getting caught in the can spam issue. And it sounds like it is legal to actually take anonymized email addresses, decrypt them and use them for marketing. On the flip side, somebody's coming to your website to browse and they're doing it in an anonymous fashion. You're buying their data from a broker and you're decrypting it and getting information that they didn't necessarily say you should have. That's like saying on some level, well, I can make a copy of the key of your house and I can figure out how to pick the lock. So I'm just going to let myself in. There's an icky factor here, right or wrong, marketing practices aside, that some people would say, I didn't give you that information. I didn't want you to have it. So I don't want you to have it. A special thanks to our presenting sponsor, Mutinex, ready to take your team from I think to I know. Then join brands like Samsung, ING, and Asahi, who make better marketing decisions with Mutinex. Mutinex Growth OX, the marketing mixed modeling platform that makes measuring ROI fast, easy, and cost-effective. Request a demo at mutinex.co. That's M-U-T-I-N-E-X dot co. Time for a one-minute break to hear from our presenting sponsor, Mutinex. In 1919, John Wanamaker said, half the money I spend on advertising is wasted. I just don't know which half. Well, the advertising landscape has changed since then. And instead of reaching your audience on two channels, you're probably reaching them on 20. Turns out John didn't know how easy he had it. But that doesn't mean that you should give up on striving towards marketing effectiveness. No matter how complex your marketing strategy is, Mutinex Growth OX is the market mix modeling platform that measures the impact of marketing on your bottom line. Mutinex's market mix modeling platform calibrates your insights against the latest market conditions so you can make media and marketing investment decisions confidently and quickly. Ready to take your team from I think to I know? Then join brands like Samsung, ING, and Asahi who make better marketing decisions with Mutinex. Mutinex Growth OX, your best decision starts here. To learn more about Mutinex, go to mutinex.co. That's M-U-T-I-N-E-X dot co. Okay, here's the rest of today's interview. Walk me through the ethical practice here. What are your thoughts? I understand that argument completely. We do lots of advertising on Facebook, and there are tons of people who are very passionate about this topic in saying exactly what you said in the back half of that statement. If your stance on the issue is no company should ever sell my data, it's mine, especially not if it's personal information, then you're never going to be able to get your head around the ethical argument, right? Never. I feel like the leg that you have to stand on is 
How is it different that you come to my website and I send you an email compared to you come to my website and I serve you a Facebook ad? But email just feels more personal, doesn't it? For some reason, the inbox has remained this sacred place in people's minds. I have two arguments. Look, when I started this company, did I for a second think that it would just be all like puppy dogs and daisies? You knew you were going to get into a shitstorm at some point. Oh, yeah. But in a way, that's amazing because it's a discussion. People will be talking about this product because the very nature of it is so controversial, especially for advertising on social media. I ran an ad last Monday that I just took down today. I spent $10,000 on it. It's got like 700 comments, which is an advertisement. And 10 grand is like not that much to spend it. Like we just make a ton of money on it because that's how social media works. The more engaged people are with the ad and the ad was called, how is get emails legal? Check it out. And we like sort of, it was really good creative. It was clever. It was funny. I'll send it to you after. Maybe put a link in the show notes to it just so people know what I'm talking about. So I have two I think they're very strong ethical arguments that you wouldn't agree with. You're just totally on the other side of this privacy thing. But like, number one is the how bad could it be argument, right? If I'm sending an email out to a list of people and more people open it than my opt-in list, more people click through than my opt-in list, less people unsubscribe and less people complain. How could that possibly be that bad? How can you tell me that a consumer doesn't want that email when it performs like I'm a data-driven email marketer. The ISPs and the way they judge spam are data-driven and how they build their spam filters. They have built their spam filters around engagement. You can't say that it's pissing the consumer off if the consumer's not complaining. And then it's like, okay, well, they're just ignoring it. It's like, if the click-through rate's the same and the unsubscribes aren't bad, like one part of this has to be out of line, right? Right. If the email is performing the same way that an opt-in email is, the experience is no worse to the consumer than an opt-in email. I don't see how you could argue against that. Right. Other than it's still a scummy thing to do. The only argument against it is you shouldn't be doing that. I just don't see any other arguments. It can't be annoying the consumer that bad if the data is just as good as a regular. Like Then every email newsletter is annoying the consumer. I'm on the fence here. I'll admit it. And I think the thing that sticks out in my head is you're decrypting something that was encrypted, right? Like you are decrypting personally identifiable information. And that to me seems to be the thing that seems unethical. Like it was encrypted for a reason. Look, that may be, but I didn't invent anything. I just connected two pieces together. And I did it in a way that I don't believe is bad for the consumer. I think that your point, and I said this in the last episode, I think the spirit of this encryption was not for it to be decrypted. Right. But there exists a way to do it and deliver value to businesses. And the only reason we figured it out is because we were trying to figure it out for ourselves. And we're like, wow, this really works. So fast forward six months, it's its own product. It's got nice revenue growth and all that. I think the devil here is in the details and it really gets down to how people are using this information, right? If you are sending as a marketer, and let's have this be a marketing focused conversation, if you are sending an email that seems like it's random, right? Somebody comes to the MarTech podcast website and I send an email saying, hi, I'm Ben. I'd like to introduce you. I'm the founder of the MarTech podcast. We'd like to invite you to our community. And oh, by the way, yesterday you happened to be at the website. Hey, maybe I got your email address from you visiting the website. Maybe I was looking on LinkedIn and seeing that you're 
a member of a company that works in the marketing community, right? There's different ways that you can get access to an email address, and maybe that doesn't feel as icky. But the practice of actually getting the email address through decryption is something that if the end user knows that's how you're accessing the email, they might have a negative response to. So I think that there's different ways to sort of use the information you're able to gain through this tool by getting access to the email where it doesn't expressly call out, I just got your email address that was decrypted and I uncrypted it. (laughs) I mean, honestly, there's the other way where, hey, I see that you went to my website and we're such good marketers here that we were able to get your email address in less than 24 hours. Clearly, you can learn something from us. Come join our community. Yeah. And that's also the reason that I'm telling people how it works, because it's so out there for most people that unless they understand it, they don't believe in enough to even try it. I mean, you know what's going to happen. Marketers are going to be like, oh, great. This is the best thing in the world. And if I can drive ROI and revenue and now I don't have to build old lists and I can do a better job and not have to pay for my retiring budget, people are going to use it. Yeah. And that's why the ethical conversation is so important. It's like, is this the right thing to do? And I see your point. You're kind of like, look, it's going to happen anyway. So why don't I do it? Right. So Adam, it seems like it's a, a gray hat practice. It's not clearly white. It's not clearly black. Maybe there's regulations that clarifies whether this should or shouldn't be done. And, and some people are going to be on different sides of the ethical fence as a marketer, I think it's brilliant. As a somebody with an inbox, I've got my questions. Let's talk a little bit about what you're doing here to hedge against the potential backlash from people feeling like this is abusing their system and encroaching on their privacy. So one thing that's palatable to some brands who just don't want to touch the PII and they're more focused on the legal part of it than the ethical part of it. There's organizations that are so big that they have so much to lose that they're just not going to get involved in like dealing with like PII in this way. So we have an ESP. We're actually building one in to get emails that sends the first round of emails out because a huge concern is just like my boss bought a list two years ago, blew up my deliverability, took me a year to undo it. So we need to send the first round of emails anyway. And we're actually going to make it so that if the brand doesn't want to see the PII, we'll never expose that to them. And we'll still be able to email these people with abandonment emails. And if they show some type of engagement, then they can continue to email them. But if they don't, then they don't. When you have that experience, are you still able to include the PII in the email? Hey, first name, we see that you stopped by this website. So the first name in this type of email, we haven't seen to add a ton of value to it. And from a legal standpoint, an email address is one thing. It's PII, but it's not really. It's very different than a first and last. The second you start pinning on the first and last, it just becomes a much more serious thing from like a potential class action standpoint at some point. So we may or may not get out of doing that or whatever. Mm -hmm. What I would say is the byproduct of this thing that I just described of a brand that doesn't want to touch the PII and still wants to email because there are some that are okay with that. The byproduct is they have all of the MD5 audience from their website. So the whole retargeting audience, they're just collecting inside of our system. Why do they care? Well, you can take this MD5 list and drop it into Facebook and make a custom audience. And it's out of Facebook. It's not inside of Facebook. You don't have to keep paying Facebook to renew it. It's actually more expensive to buy advertising from Facebook if you use their website identification pixel and do a look like audience there than it is if you were to provide the same people without using their identity pixel. They sell you cheaper inventory if you don't use them for the identification piece also. That's interesting. Yeah. 
And you can see how they would do that because they know it's a retargeting audience. So they know it's more valuable. So they know they can charge you more than if you just pump in some other type of list. So the byproduct was the other thing I was going to say. I think a future for Get Emails might be it's just a really sophisticated customer audience. So Gmail has this, but Yahoo has it even better. Verizon sponsored mail. You can basically give Yahoo a list of MD5, so encrypted email addresses that you never saw the PII for. And they'll find all the Yahoo addresses and they'll just stick your ad as the top spot in someone's inbox if it's the same MD5. Don't have to worry about deliverability. It's just there. And you pay on a cost per click. So you only pay for performance. Assuming that people still use Yahoo's email. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, whatever, it's dying, but still between Yahoo and AOL. Yeah, there's an interesting demographic conversation to have there. Totally. And I mean, you can do the same thing in Gmail too. I mean, people are definitely doing these Gmail ads. And just the MD5 is actually way less expensive for us and for the customer than us having to like go buy the record. You know, we're building out our identity graph, but we're still paying for each widget as we're building this thing. So I think that that could be a pretty cool future between those two things. Yeah, it's interesting to think about the legality and ethics of collecting email from anonymous web traffic, and then also the spectrum of how that's used and how that affects really the ethics of we can gain these email addresses, but we don't want to touch the PII, or we're just going to grab these email addresses, use them to build our targeting lists, or then the opposite end of the spectrum, we're going to grab the email addresses, we're going to enrich them, and we're going to use PII variables in our email address. And I think it's up to every marketer to decide where they are in this spectrum. You've got to take into consideration what your legal tolerance is, where you stand on the ethical spectrum. And obviously, this is going to be a powerful tool and something that's likely going to be adopted widely. So that wraps up this episode of the MarTech Podcast. Thanks again to Adam Robinson, founder at Get Emails, for joining us. In the last part of our conversation, which we'll publish tomorrow, Adam and I are going to discuss using email-based retargeting as a revenue channel. And if you can't wait until our next episode and you'd like to learn more about Adam, you can click on the link to his LinkedIn profile in our show notes. You can contact him on Twitter. His handle is Adam underscore L underscore Robinson, A-D-A-M underscore L underscore R-O-B-I-N-S-O-N. Or you could visit his company's website, which is getemails.com. Just one link in our show notes I'd like to tell you about. If you didn't have a chance to take notes while you were listening to this podcast, head over to martechpod.com where we have summaries of all of our episodes, contact information for our guests. You could subscribe to our once a week newsletter. You can even send us your topic suggestions or your marketing questions, which we'll answer live on our show. Of course, you could always reach out on social media. Our handle is martechpod, M-A-R-T-E-C-H-P-O-D on LinkedIn, Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. Or you can contact me directly. My handle is Ben J. Shap, B-E-N-J. S-H-A-P. And if you haven't subscribed yet and you want a daily stream of marketing and technology knowledge in your podcast feed, in addition to part two of our conversation with Adam Robinson, founder of Get Emails, we're going to publish an episode every day this year. So hit that subscribe button in your podcast app and we'll be back in your feed tomorrow morning. Okay, that's it for today. But until next time, my advice is to just focus on keeping your customers happy. Thanks for listening to the MarTech Podcast, and I hear everything production. Looking to launch or scale a podcast like this one for your brand? 
Then visit IHearEverything.com.